Hey, Prime members, you can listen to CBS Sunday Morning with Jane Polly ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even... Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Do you ever wonder where all your money went? Like every single time you look at your bank account? Honestly, it's probably all those subscriptions. I felt that way too, until I got Rocket Money. Rocket Money helped me see all the subscriptions I'm paying for, and it was eye-opening. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it all adds up so quickly. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. I'm Jane Pauley, and this is Sunday Morning. Next Saturday brings the coronation of Britain's King Charles III. Seth Doan will show us how some of his royal subjects plan to ring in the new. Preparations for the coronation can be seen and heard. Do you ever get any complaints from the neighbors? We've only had one, but we didn't take any notice of it. Across the UK, they're recruiting and training thousands of bell ringers. This is you taking part in the coronation. Mm -hmm. This is how uh, I choose to celebrate, is ringing at the chapel. Ahead this Sunday morning, a transition steeped in tradition. David Pogue catches up with Sean Hayes, now on Broadway, in a new show about enigmatic comedian, actor, and musician, Oscar Levant. With Steve Hartman and author Sarah DiGregorio, we give nurses their due. Faith Saley has a story that's truly for the birds. And more on this last Sunday of the month, April 30th, 2023. We'll be back after this. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. 
Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. We take to the trees for a little bird listening. Turns out, as Faith Saley will tell us, they make beautiful music. You're listening to the last known recording of a mating song of the Kauai O'o, a Hawaiian bird now considered extinct. A male oo is calling out for a female mate who will never come. That song inspired this song by composer Alexander Liebermann. If every artist has a muse, Liebermanns have feathers and wings. I think everything starts with my trip to Costa Rica in February 2020. I mean, I'm a city person. I'm born in Berlin, Germany, and I lived in New York for almost 10 years. And in Costa Rica, I was just exposed to a lot of wildlife. But when the pandemic hit and he was locked down in Berlin, he himself began to feel like a caged bird. That was until... Suddenly, I heard them with different ears. I was just like, oh my god, these are spine-tingling, like, calls. And so unpredictable and hauntingly beautiful. And I just started transcribing them. So, would you call the bird song that you listen to and transcribe, do you call that music? <laughs> That's a very philosophical question. It depends on your definition of music, but um, I would definitely consider them music. He began to post videos of birds and their musical songs to Instagram. And musicians began to reply with their versions, replicating tweets, trills, and crescendos in all manner of instruments. And along the way, he began to hear the world differently. A lot of times, people consider contemporary music, classical music, to be extremely abstract and difficult. But when you look at those transcriptions of some birdsong, nightingales, for example, are extremely complicated full of noise and people have no problems with them, right? So to some extent, it might also change the listening experience of people. Tell me what you hear. 
So it gets more complicated, right? To transcribe each bird's song, first he slows it down, spending hours analyzing each sound, micro note by micro note. I have to say, sometimes it makes your head spin, <laughs> but nature is so versatile, and like you would discover a bird song that you would not think imaginable. Just recently, I like transcribed the song of a Oropendola. It is absolutely crazy. You would never believe it's a bird song if you listen to it. Then, to my own surprise, I noticed that Björk used it in one of her songs. And transcribing the birds has enabled Lieberman's own compositions to take flight. That high A that I repeat is the highest note of the second line that the bird sings. Has listening to bird song changed the way you perform and compose music? Definitely. Progressively, gradually, I implemented more and more of those very, very complex gestures in my music. Lieberman's music seems timeless, but its inspiration may not be. Take the Javan Piad Starling. It's believed the wild birds primarily vocalize to communicate with other birds to attract mates or defend territory. This starling's song is so prized by collectors that it's been trapped nearly out of existence, and in captivity, the lonely birds have begun to lose their notes. By transcribing the starling song, Lieberman hopes the world will heed the call of the wild before it's too late. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. To Broadway now, where David Pogue is catching up with actor Sean Hayes. This is the story of two men who became famous on TV about 50 years apart. Both hilarious actors, both piano virtuosos. First, Oscar Levant. Listen, I can drop everything and be up in 10 minutes. In the 30s, 40s, and 50s, he was everywhere. 
He was a movie star, Swing your with a, a composer, conductor, and concert pianist, and famous for his brilliant one-liners. What do you do for exercise? I stumble and then I fall into a coma. <laughs> Hey, friends, lovers, mothers, and other strangers, you're never going to believe what happened to me. The other man is Sean Hayes. For 11 seasons, he played the hilariously self-absorbed Jack McFarland on Will and Grace, the first sitcom with openly gay main characters. What are you talking about? You're not a performer. I am now. Me, a piano, and a spotlight. I'm calling it Just Jack. <laughs> You're a comedian, Jack. This week, a new play opened up on Broadway in which Sean Hayes plays Oscar Levant. Not a pretty face, I grant you, but underneath this flabby exterior, there's an enormous lack of character. It's called Good Night, Oscar, an intense and funny play about a tortured man. In case of what? I become irascible. You're always irascible. You're right, and that can only mean one thing. And what's that? I'm under-medicated. After years of Jack McFarland, yeah. this is about as far from Jack McFarland as you get. I love Jack McFarland. I love that experience. It's, it's one of the greatest of my life. It's hard to break out of the thing that people see you as that you became famous for. But then, you know, if, if we're not scaring ourselves as actors, what are we doing? The darkness comes from Levant's drug addictions and mental health struggles. He broke taboos of the time by describing them publicly. It was genuinely shocking in 1958 to see someone in Oscar's condition on television because he wasn't well and at times he was heavily and often irresponsibly medicated. Pulitzer Prize winner Doug Wright is the playwright. But uh, Oscar took the fangs from it away because he was always uh, uh, wonderfully and richly funny about it. We, but we have a bunch of pills here. We, we, honestly, we know we I got everything. I took them. They're nothing. <laughs> a well-behaved one-liner. The play was Sean Hayes' passion project, written just for him. But not everyone considered him a natural to play Levant. I won't lie. I thought Sean was an extremely odd casting choice. <laughs> he doesn't have a physical resemblance at all. But we went to this lunch that was set up by the producers, and... Across the table, he morphed into the man. He adopted his posture, his voice, his perpetual scowl. And I went to that lunch thinking uh, he was the wrong actor, and I left that lunch thinking he was the only actor. We all worked together to just kind of find how I could inhabit him. And through voice and face and other kind of, you know, tricks, actor tricks that we could do. She wants to read it to you. Well... Don't let them leave the dinner table till they finish their martinis, you hear? In the play, Levant gets a four-hour leave from a mental health facility to appear on Jack Parr's Tonight Show. And this is based on a real incident? Yes, in spirit it's largely true. So uh, bring us up to date, Oscar. What, what have you been doing with yourself lately? Well, my behavior has been impeccable. I've been unconscious for the last six months. Really? <laughs> In both life and on Broadway, Levant was a friend of George Gershwin and a famous interpreter of his music. But it was a complicated relationship. I play it all the time, the Rhapsody mostly, and now I'm the first piano man to immortalize it on a 78. Besides you, of course. George loved to tease Oscar in what was sometimes a sadistic manner. He also would uh, say to Oscar, uh, what are you going to play for the folks tonight? A medley of your hit? 
So you've heard it? Yes. Oh, for Christ's sakes. I mean, what'd you think? Heard about it, rather. In the play, Levant is supposed to conclude his talk show appearance at the piano with a blazing performance of Gershwin's Rhapsody in Blue. Fortunately, Hayes himself is a gifted piano player. I'll try to play uh, a little bit of a Chopin waltz. Nice. Five, five years old or so. And, and so I started taking lessons across the street and I just stuck with it. I thought I was gonna be a concert pianist or a film music composer. <laughs> it's the finale of an emotionally draining performance. The play ends in a very kind of sensitive, emotional place. And um, gosh, even thinking about it now, I, I get a little emotional because uh, mental illness uh, and addiction run in my family, uh, family tree. And um, so I feel for Oscar in an extremely deep way. Is it exhausting? It's absolutely exhausting. A lot of times after the show, I am depleted so much that I really just have to go home and, and take care of myself. Good Night Oscar has a limited run, four months. But for Sean Hayes, any effort to bring back Oscar Levant is worth the attempt. There's nobody like him. There is nobody as funny as him. He's just been kind of forgotten about. I'm just happy and proud that we have this venue and this vehicle to bring Oscar back to life because I think he deserves it. It's harder to focus than ever these days. Thankfully, C4 has reinvented the energy drink game with C4 Smart Energy the only energy drink clinically proven to provide enhanced mental focus, containing 200 milligram of natural caffeine, a blend of vitamins and zero sugar. It was formulated to support your well-being and help you feel your best, all while enhancing mental focus. From your brain to your body, C4 Smart Energy does it all and tastes amazing. Look for Smart Energy in the beverage aisle at your local Kroger, Albertsons, and Safeway grocery stores. C4 Smart Energy. Stay focused. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money, and maybe more importantly, on your life. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app. All kinds of preparations are underway for next weekend's coronation of King Charles III. Seth Doan looks at one memorable way the people of Britain will ring in the big day. Rehearsals are underway. Pageantry requires perfection. State coaches are being readied, as are uniforms of every stripe, and there will be a fitting soundtrack. Ring for the King is a nationwide quest to have every bell in every church ringing for King Charles III, 
on his coronation day. At Chalfont St. Giles Parish Church outside London, it means having a band of eight, each pulling a rope to ring a single massive bell, a form of ringing that dates back to the 1500s in the reign of Elizabeth I. I started when I was 15. Wow, that's a lot of practice. <laughs> Here, bell tower captain John Davidge leads the way. What do you think of this ring for the king effort? What do I think about it? It's privilege. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it's shining light on something you've been doing for 70 years. Yeah, I don't think of it that way, because I only think about that we've got to do our very best bit. It's only going to happen once. But bell ringing is not as popular as it once was. Sign of the times, a lady bell ringer. So the Central Council of Church Bell Ringers, yes, there is such a thing, launched Ring for the King last fall to recruit tens of thousands of volunteer bell ringers. Cheryl Spriggs answered the call. I've always loved the sound of church bells. Uh, it's a quintessential sound of the English countryside and the towns. And then they put out this appeal and I literally just checked on the internet when the bell practice was and I gave John a ring and he asked me to come along. <laughs> gave him a ring. Yeah, <laughs> of course, yeah. <laughs> Spriggs started learning what's called change ringing, in which multiple bells are rung in specific sequences. I thought they just played tunes, but you're playing mathematical permutations. This is why it's no small task to train thousands of new bell ringers. As a pupil, John is really good at explaining what you should be doing. He's very clear with his instructions. <laughs> yes, Seth does know all about that. Down like that and relax. Relax, but relax, you're stiff. <laughs> relax. <laughs> Does it seem too tense? <laughs> Ready? Yep. Let's just say not everyone is a natural. <laughs> the future king has demonstrated a royal ease with ringing in the past, but he has history. And the bells added their appeal to the general rejoicing. Bells sounded for him when he was born in 1948, as they have to mark weddings funerals and other important events, including Britain's last coronation. I absolutely love being a part of this British tradition. Um, At St. Leonard's Church in London, it, we met American it, Hannah Richmond, who started bell ringing when she studied abroad in Scotland. Is there a religious component in this for you? For me, no. And I think that that's one of the best parts of it. He can be Muslim, Jewish, Christian, agnostic, atheist, and come ring. Richmond says she finds the whole thing surprisingly meditative, considering her instrument is a thousand-pound piece of bronze swinging overhead. Ringing is a combination of looking at everybody around you, knowing the pattern, and also hearing, listening to the bells when they go, and, and knowing the tunes. There's more to it than you'd think. Yes, there's a lot going on in the minds of bell ringers. <laughs> this coming Saturday, she'll also have the new king on her mind, proud to play a small role in history. It was 
a really great opportunity last summer to be able to ring for the Platinum Jubilee. And I also rang in honor of the Queen when she passed. And so now being able to ring for the next coronation, um, I guess I'm just, I'm fitting in as many historical events in one visa as I possibly can. <laughs> Do you ever feel like there's nothing new in the news? You know there are urgent things happening in the world around you, but all you hear is noise. That's why we made What Next? Our goal is to tell you the stories you haven't heard before, or maybe a different side to the story you thought you already knew all about. I'm Mary Harris, the host of What Next? And I love my job because it helps me cut through the noise of the news. And then I get to bring it to you. Together, we can figure out what next. Stephen Colbert here to tell you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is the podcast of The Late Show with my producer, Becca. Becca, what's what's up? So The Late Show Pod Show is everything you love about The Late Show on oh, a I podcast. Want, I want to know about you. Oh. Enough. We, 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 people see everybody in an ad talks about the thing they're trying to sell. Oh. I'd like to know about you, the person behind creating the podcast. Oh, I'm having a really good day. Barry baked some bread and my friend Kara got me some chicken salad. It's a really nice day in the office today. Listen to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert wherever you get your podcasts. Not long ago, we heard Steve Hartman sing the praises of the nursing profession. Our commentary this morning is from author Sarah DiGregorio, whose latest book is called Taking Care. If I say nurse, what do you think of? Maybe it's a nurse who cared for you or of nurses going to work during the pandemic. Or perhaps what springs to mind are countless dire headlines. Nursing shortages, nurses quitting, nurses striking. It can all blur together into a nebulous miasma of bad news. After all, many of us already know that the healthcare system isn't working well for us. So when we non-nurses hear about nurses striking for better staffing, it might sound just like another intractable inside baseball healthcare dispute. But that couldn't be farther from the truth. Nurses strike because they know what the public doesn't. Your survival can depend on whether or not your nurse has time to care for you. Nurse-to-patient ratios can be a matter of life or death. Research over decades has shown this strong association. The higher the level of nurse staffing, the more likely you are to be discharged alive or to have a good outcome. Ratios sound bureaucratic, but they tell a real story. If you are hospitalized, your nurse might be assigned four patients, or they might be assigned, for instance, eight patients. That's not unusual. What that ratio means for you, though, is that you may or may not get the care that you need because a nurse can't be in eight different places at once. Nurses are often the first to notice signs of a stroke, of liver failure, of a need for more intensive respiratory support. Without a nurse to notice and address those complications, sometimes patients die avoidable deaths. This is such a real risk that nursing has a term for it, failure to rescue. Hospitals often claim that labor costs are too high, and that's one reason nurses are asked to work short-staffed. But hospital administrator pay has continued to rise in recent years. Just for instance, the CEO of Hospital Corporation of America made over $14 million in 2022. Unlike the correlation between nurse staffing and patient outcomes, researchers have found no correlation between hospital CEO pay and patient mortality or value to the community. This leads to a question. What is the purpose of a hospital? And should its budget reflect its purpose? The purpose of nursing 
is to maximize people's health and well-being. So we need to make sure that nurses have the working conditions that make it possible for all of us to get the care we deserve. To all my foot, back, and knee pain sufferers, this one's for you. Check out G-Defy, a modern footwear company on a mission to relieve knee, back, and foot pain. Every pair comes with two free custom orthotics to align your body perfectly. And their patented VersoShock trampoline technology in the heel absorbs harmful shocks and provides positive, renewed energy empowering you to tackle your day. Don't just take my word for it. Read the countless customer reviews raving about the pain relief and amazing comfort they have experienced with G-Defy shoes. Experience pain-free living for yourself and visit gdefy.com, that's G-D-E-F-Y dot com, and use code PODCAST30 to receive $30 off your order of $100 or more. I'm CBS News correspondent Major Garrett, host of the podcast Agent of Betrayal, The Double Life of Robert Hansen. During the Cold War, FBI agent Robert Hansen traded classified secrets to the Kremlin in exchange for cash and jewels. In the podcast, you'll hear from Hansen's closest friends, family members, victims, and colleagues for the most comprehensive telling of who Robert Hansen really was. Binge the entire series now. Agent of Betrayal, The Double Life of Robert Hansen is available on the Wondery app, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening. Please join us when our trumpet sounds again next Sunday morning. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to CBS Sunday Morning with Jane Polly ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at Wondery.com survey. I'm Mo Rocca, and I'm excited to announce season four of my podcast, Mobituaries. I've got a whole new bunch of stories to share with you about the most fascinating people and things who are no longer with us. From famous figures who died on the very same day to the things I wish would die like buffets. Listen to Mobituaries with Mo Rocca on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Matt Norlander with the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball podcast, and it is tournament time, people. So listen to the one podcast that will cover every upset, Cinderella, Bracket Buster Sleeper. We've got it all covered, every round, reaction shows, all the way up through the championship game in Glendale, Arizona. To find us, search Eye on College Basketball Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.